This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. ridiculous, it's like hotter than Dubai, hotter than Greece, hotter than South America. I mean, the Olympics, everyone looks at the Olympics in Brazil, Brazil there's all sorts of rain and everything like that. But here, we had an absolute heat storm. And so we are sweltering here in the blue boat in Hammersmith, right by the river. It's quite interesting as well, because uh, this is one of the pubs where um, when the boats came down from Brentford to Fulham. Loads of bees are outside the blue boat waving at us. And uh, even earlier on, there was a few Fulham fans in here going down to uh, their game against Borough in that cup that we won't even talk about because it's a rubbish cup. But anyway, blue boat, it's all good. Very, very, very ridiculously busy in here. We're outside by the river a minute, few minutes ago, but it's all a bit wet, so we've come inside now. It's all good, and I'm here with the characters. My name's Billy Grant. And I've had a fairly decent week, even on Saturday I had a good week at Rotherham as well. Or we said Saturday at Rotherham, it was good. And I'm here with um, the Allard. How are you, the Allard? Good evening, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm enjoying the, the, the English summer. Um, nice table outside, starts raining. We're inside now, it's too hot. Um, no, it's actually, it's actually um, quite a nice little spot, this, isn't it? Apart from, as I say, it's very, very near enemy territory, if not in enemy territory. Indeed, you know, that's the kind of place that we did come over and we take it over and we'd have a lot of fun here, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got down there early to reserve a table outside and it was beautiful outside. You, w- you wouldn't want to be inside earlier and now you wouldn't want to be outside. It's wetter than an otter's pocket. Indeed. The Liberal has probably got a few things to say about uh, today's weather, have you? I do. I, first of all, I want to be absolutely factual. It's not 42 degrees, it's 32 degrees. And it was the hottest day of the year so far, but it could be even hotter because we've still got some time to go before this year ends. Hotter than July? Hotter, hotter, hotter. 
the days. So, and, and I'm talking about, I mean, I'm talking about Rodham, actually. Well, we might come back to that a little bit later. But, um, in fact, we will come back to it a little bit later, because before we, before we talk about Rotherham, what's the point of us talking about Rotherham? I think it's better if we go back and listen to the fans in the pub, both Brentford and Rotherham fans, because there's a lot of malarkey going on on social media about how Brentford played and what was going on, but a lot of people weren't there. So I think the best way to understand what happened in Rotherham is this is the people who were there at the game, who saw the match, who saw what was going on. Let's have a little listen now. Stats are lying in this case. You know, we played them uh, off the park. We had uh, five shots on goal. We had 60 yeah, plus. 19 shots, it was. Ni- well, 19 sh- five shots on goal, 19, 19 shots in total. Compared to their two shots on goal. Yeah, we had 60% possession, 60% plus possession. There we go. You know, it just shows that uh, stats can sometimes lie in this case. Um, I felt that, you know, probably Vibay and Hogan together were a bit ring rusty um, you know that'll come that'll come as the, as the weeks go on Woods was fantastic today but uh, really dominated that game rest of the rest of the team no major faults uh, I thought the Rotherham goal possibly was offside although possibly one of our players was playing it on there we go talk about sitting on the fence hey you know one of those days, one of those Saturdays, we'll have better. It, it was a decent enough game to watch, but I think, as as has just been said, it, it was a, a lack of threat in the final third, really. I mean, lots of nice passing that they broke well when, when they got the ball, but Rotherham always looked comfortable, they defended well, they had people back in numbers. Once they got the lead, it, it, it always felt like there was never really going to be a way back for the Bees. Lot, lots of attractive play around the middle lots of you know people getting forward but nobody really ever offering a threat or really making Rotherham look like they were in any kind of danger it just the, the forwards didn't get much service there wasn't much width the, the width that was provided never really looked like it was going to cause any trouble and yeah all in all it just felt like the bees just lacked something in the final third so we got Rotherham fan in the house here like I said to them congratulations they managed to weather the storm the Alamo the Alamo was happening um, but they still managed to keep the bees out of the goal I mean how, how did you do that I have no idea whatsoever <laughs> in terms of our defensive performance three games so far before this game we'd have probably let three or four of those in wouldn't we um, so we've, we've managed to you've, you've encountered us on the wrong day I think in terms of defensive performance we've done up, we did half decent compared to the others today looking at the stats I think you had 19 shots that's right so compared to our about two or something like that so, we, so, so, we, how, so how didn't we score how didn't you score um, last, ditch, last ditch tackles lucky deflections um, you didn't quite put the but well apart from Ledesma did a good kick that our keeper saved but uh, it just wasn't quite putting the ball quite on top of somebody's head I think ultimately you got the ball right to the edge of our box did everything you needed to do it just wasn't putting it in the back of the net incredibly frustrating I, I feel like we deserved at least a point from the game to be honest we, we probably need a bit more of a cutting edge up front but overall essentially they had one shot one goal and if we got behind them second half, I think we could have won the game, to be honest. But to be honest, I was quite impressed with Ledesma. I haven't really seen too much of him. I actually thought like, he got on the ball, tried to move it forward. A bit frustrated with Vibe, and I thought Hogan lacked a bit of service today. But overall, I feel like we played with enough intent to actually go on and win the game. But it's, it's really frustrating, incredibly frustrating. So, you know, we've got the foundations of a good team. I think we're still going to do well. We just need to pick up the away form, really, you know. I think we'll be strong at home this season again, make Griffin Park a bit of a fortress. 
and you know if we pick up the odd point away from home I think we'll do really well this season um, it's just it's just that uh, that final little thing it's just that little cutting edge and being a, being a little bit sharper in, in, in the final third you know we dominated possession today we had more than enough shots but it's just that little bit of sharpness a little bit quicker and you know we might have gotten in behind might have had a few more shots might have, might have got a point out of today but a few of the players struggled with the studs as well I think Maxine Collin he slips more than most I think um, Ryan Woods slips over a couple of times um, born slipper yeah yeah, Paul Slippy. I, I know that you know it, it was torrential rain for a, for a period, and they watered the pitch heavily. Um, so maybe that had an effect, but it didn't seem like they had the right footwear in. Um, but I, yeah, I, I feel a mixture of feelings really after that. You know, I think people have said you know how frustrating they feel coming away. Um, what I saw wasn't terrible from Brentford. You know, on another day and with a bit more luck, it was we would have we would have got we would have got those you know we would have got the got the break it isn't doom and gloom and per, you know from a personal perspective i'm i'm really making a concerted effort this season not to be um, in complete ecstasy when we win and get too carried away and not to be in the depths of despair when we lose because we, we are going to do both in probably equal number this season and i and i'm trying not to give myself a nervous breakdown we 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 are clearly um, um, uh, uh, a decent championship team, you know that that that's that's beyond doubt. Um, we do need one or two players to come in to make us uh, a special championship team. Um, we'll see what that costs and whether we can find those players. But you know we we we're not going to go down, um, and uh, I'm not going to get too down over coming up to Rotherham. We we play we play we played pretty good football. This is still arguably one of the best Brentford teams I've ever seen. We're just missing a couple of pieces of the jigsaw. Let's hope we can get them in the next couple of weeks. So the views from the fans in the pub, both the Renfrew fans and the Rotherham fans, and interesting again to hear the Rotherham fans' point of view, he actually sounded really, really confused um, as to how they lost, how they won the game. Probably like we are. You know, we can see that some games and we come into the pub afterwards and we absolutely laugh again. I've got no idea how we won that game. And that's exactly how it was for Brentford um, up at Rotherham. But, you know, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. What, one thing I would do for Rotherham, actually, it was a bit of a thumbs up for me for Rotherham because it's one of these trips that I kind of normally am a little bit shaky about. I've been to Rotherham now about four or five times. First time was exciting, the first time we've ever been there. I think we lost the first time in the uh, old first division, or the first division um, a, couple, a couple of years ago. And then, um, you know, then we've had the, the few different times we went up there. So the, the, the hilarious thing, or non-hilarious thing, actually, the last time we went up there, um, the pub we were drinking in outside the bridge actually had a national front march outside, which uh, myself and Puns were massively abused by the national front. As we came out, we were filming them. They weren't particularly happy, I understand why. And then we popped around the corner on the way to the ground, and there's the EDL camped outside the police station as well, which is a little chat with them as well, which is quite interesting. So all I'll say is that this time we turned up in a Mentula Sheffield on the way to Rotherham, and there was a Corbyn rally. So it's like it was like yin and yang. It was like the exact <laughs> Liberal Nick wasn't happy, you know. He was up there with his one placard. Him and his mate, he used to be the leader, who's probably not anymore. Um, but it was interesting because it was, it, was, it was a little bit different, but it wasn't quite as angry as it was the last time we went up to Rotherham. Lady. No, it wasn't. They do love a demo up there. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, it's the Corbyn thing was a complete coincidence. We walked past out on the way to a train, and uh, yeah, it was, um, it was like a, a whole town square full of people, placards. 
But did you get a sheet on the train? Yeah, yeah, we've got a sheet on the train. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, plenty of seats on the train. No, um, yeah, no, Rotherham, Rotherham's interesting. Um, lot of a lot of angry bees afterwards. Really, that disappointed me. A lot of people, lot of people saying really, really stupid things that weren't even there. Um, a lot of people were just like stupid things yeah. like what? No. Like saying we were shit, basically saying we played shit. And you know, you need you need to you need to see how you play before you. Uh, so, so was that the people that were there saying it, or the people that no, weren't there? Well, I didn't I didn't speak. To, oh, I'm sure there were people that were there that thought we played shit, but we, we I don't I don't think we did. And most of the people we spoke, well, all of the people we spoke to afterwards, including the Rodgers band, said you know it was it was a travesty. And you, you're going to get games like that, and then they're they're re- probably they're really annoying when they happen. And Liverpool lost two 0 at, Fer- um, at Burnley, and they had like. 90% possession and a million shots on target, and they lost two 0 So it, ha- it happens to it happens to all teams, um, whether they're world class, European class, decent Championship class, or Accrington Stanley. Or Accrington Stanley, it happens. You know, we, we, we're not being funny. We're, we're long in the tooth enough. We, we've seen football for long enough to know that you can play well and lose. And we we played well and we lost. But you know, and, but you know, the, 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 the really annoying thing is. You know, we know that we're we know where our weaknesses lie, and those weaknesses are kind of just as weak now as they were then. And we, we are we are two or three players short of the, the team that we need to be really comfortable this season. We'll we'll, we'll survive, but we need a couple of signings. We didn't play shit, but and there's a very big but here. We didn't score. Um, we had all that possession. We played some very nice football in and around, you know, the, the the areas where it didn't matter. But when it came to it, we could not put the ball in the back of the net. And you know, I we th- there will come a stage of this season when we will regret not actually beating Rotherham or at least scoring a goal against them. And what worries me is that the longer this goes on. The longer the confidence drops, the longer the, the, the fans have got to stick with it, the longer the patience doesn't last, we get worse and worse. So let's see, you know, let's see how we go against Sheffield Wednesday, but there is a really big but from the Robin Hood. I mean, it is, but you say the longer this goes on, we've only got one guy on the spit. It's not a culmination of games yet. Um, I mean, if you're suggesting that we might switch two games, actually. Not on the spin. Not on the spin, no. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there's no, there's no pattern. Emer- I mean, the only pattern emerging is that we're losing away and winning at home, which actually is, is um, I, you know, I would always think that our strength is counter-attacking football, um, and that probably also shows what our weakness is, is that we are managing to do the job at home, but, but in, in this sort of, you know, w- w- when you're away, you expect... You know, you might take up the pressure and hit teams in the counter attack, and, um, and and so far we we yet to be able to establish that. I think I think the real key for me is we have to score first because that brings other teams at us. Um, and at the moment, that's not what we've managed to. Well, well, we I think managed to do that way. Well, I think the key at Rotherham is, and, and they did the ultimate thing is that we were unable to break them down. They literally put like pretty much ten men behind the ball, and we were unable to break them down. So my point is, if you score first, they have to come at you. It's a lot easier then to break them down if they're attacking you. Once they score, and, it, and, and I, I, I think the stats will probably prove me right over the last six months, we find it hard then to get back into a game. 
and I'm not saying this because oh I'm a rose tinted, but the fact is I actually truly believe that if we scored a goal, we'd have killed actually Rodden on Saturday. And I'm not I'm not just saying that because the fact is that we had chances, Vive came, he got that ball through, bang, and it came through and it just pushed past the post and you looked at it, but that should have scored. Hogan when he had that header that no one's actually really mentioned in the second half and it kind of headed it and it literally it just whisks past that post. It's, it's on the beside video. If you watch the beside video, you can see how close that was. People celebrating the goal. We thought it was in. You know, I'm, you know, you know. I've said this constantly for the last 15 years. You know, what do you want from your Brentford team? I'm, ha- you know, I, I know we're not going to win every single game. We are going to lose games. That's what that's what all football teams do. Football teams lose games sometimes. But I would, l- I, I am really happy to see my Brentford team lose trying to win the game. I, don't, I never want to see my team play and box clever and try and close it down and play a defensive game. Attack, attack, attack. And if it works, it works. And if you, if you lose trying to win, at least you've done the right thing. And there's, okay, so there's a fear, and, and like I, I think we emphasized this again in the post-match podcast, and we talked to fans and we said, you know, there's a little fear, or we lost the match. It was consistent. Honestly, this was nothing like, you know, February, March last season. I mean, that was like there was some sort of die-out football happening. There was some decent football happening, but we didn't have that penetration. And it comes back to what we're going to talk about a little bit later. We didn't have the player, the playmaker player, who could do the running at Rotherham, open up the gaps, pull the players away. We were too easy to defend about. But I'm going to go around the table here, and I'm just going to ask everybody... If there's a couple of points that you learned from Rotherham, what were they? Just, just, just what did you learn? You know, good or bad? Um, I learned that we are. Well, I learned I learned we're we're two players short of a, a very good team, um, and I also learned, unfortunately, that we're we're always one defeat away from some fans in meltdown mode. They need to either get a grip or fuck off. I, I learned that, that possession is not the key to, to winning football matches and I learned that we actually desperately do need to bring in some players before the transfer window shuts. Um, to be honest, I learned that it, from, from when I, 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 I've heard two different sides to this game. Um, I've heard one side from people that were at the game and I've heard another side from people that weren't at the game. Um, so, you know, I've basically learned that um, people that aren't a game see different games to people that were. Um, and for me, I mean, I've learned that, um, I don't know, you can t- learn that other teams pick up, you know, well, pick up players. It's not a disrespect, but, you know, other teams like Rotherham have picked up players that you think that they shouldn't be able to pick up. Whether or not this uh, easy character is going to be any good, I don't know. But they're picking up players from, you know, from big Premier League teams that... Um, that you turn around and sort of think, you know, how, how the hell did they get hold of them? So that's one thing that I learned, you know, which you sort of think that these players must be attainable to a certain extent. And the second thing is, like you said, is also maybe um, it's, it's too easy to get on, what I think I've learned, it's too easy to get on the team's back and look at the negatives. Um, at this stage, especially where we are, you've got to look at the positives. Um, not not, not, not rose-tinted glasses, but you look at the positives for the scenario. So what I'm saying is that you look at the positives from there, and the fact is that we're actually playing decent football, because if we're playing horrible football, I'll be actually crying. The fact is that, you know, if we put one player in that side or two players in that side, it's going to make a hell of a lot of difference, and I think that's one thing I love. 
no one ever wants to go to Rotherham and lose, you know, it's, it's a long way, it's not a glamorous place to go, and even if you beat them, you know, people are going to say, yeah, it's only Rotherham. That's not actually the case, you know, they're, they're, an, they're an established championship team just like we are, you know, you, you, you have to give them credit too, but, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't play badly, and, and, and that's a fact, you know, you, you have to deal in facts. And, uh, if we, you know, I agree with you, Bill. If we'd have gone there and played terrible football and we'd lost, we would, have, we would have been really, really unhappy. The fact that we came away and we were kind of fairly philosophical about it... Frustrating is the word, wasn't it? Yeah, we were, we, are, we were frustrated, of course. You know, we, we all spent time, we all spent money going to Rotherham, you know. There are better places to, to go and spend your money, you know. Because you're going to lose in particular. Especially if you're going to lose. You, you want to do it closer to home and, and somewhere, you know, a little bit more convenient. Or further away than home, but having a right old laugh. Because with all due respect to Rotherham, it's all right, but there's better places to be, isn't there? Oh, yeah, maybe I'd rather go and lose in Ibiza. Listen, <laughs> we're going to talk to the DRF, see if we can actually, and, 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 and Rob Rowan and see if we can get a game and IB for next season. So if we, if we lose 7 0, it doesn't really matter. But anyway, we're going to be talking about transfers because the transfer deadline is looming very, very, very soon. This is a very important time for Brentford because, as we talked about earlier, creativity we need players in. There's a bit of activity happening in Brentford, so we're going to be talking about that after the wee twang. So, we've got a few more days till the transfer deadline is on. But I just have, I just have to sit here, and, and I've got my head in my hand at the moment now, because I'm sitting beside Liberal Nick, who, who's not overly liberal. I mean, I, I told him I went to go see Dulwich Hamlet play yesterday against Harlow. I went to Harlow to go see the Hamlet play, as you do. I met another B up there, it's all good. And he's not happy with them. And why is he not happy? Because apparently because they pay in pink. Also, oh, that's not very liberal, I think, is it, was it? I pink is an interesting colour of choice, isn't it? I mean, how many other football teams play in pink? Not many, so that means they're unique. Well, you know, I, I am only interested in red and white stripes, black shirts, or... Poss- that's, that, that's, I did wrong as well. Sorry, that didn't come out. <laughs> as a Liberal, I'm interested in the black strip that Brentford plays in, not black shirts. Okay, listen, um, listen, listen, it's cool and we understand that, but you were quite ranting about the old, you know, and, uh, you know, but we'll move on anyway from that. It was good, it was, it was good last night, so those, but I won't talk about it anymore, Nick. But transfers. Alan Judge. I mean, this is Judgment Day, as we say. It may be the Judgment Day, Judgment Week. We have got, well, no, less than a week till the transfer deadline day. A lot of people have been, you know, going on the fact that we have not pulled any players in, we've not pulled any wingers in, we've not pulled the players that we want in. We don't know the reason why this may or may not have happened. It may be because the money, like maybe they knew that there was a deal on the horizon and we might have more money in the pot. We don't know. But the news came in the past couple of days that Alan Judge is now looking like, or not looking like, the deal's pretty much done. Other than obviously, you know, whether or not he goes up there and the medical does not happen. Um, he's going to go move to Newcastle. Now, I'm going to ask you, if it's a good thing for Brentford, it's a bad thing for Brentford, because there's been a lot of ranting and people say, Brentford, you don't want to go up, this is all out of order. We're going to, you know, for me, I'm going to take a devil's advocate and I'm going to sit back, I'm going to let you guys discuss it and I'm going to take the opposite opinion if I can do, because I think it's quite important to take that. So we've got all points of view on this Alan Judge scenario. Um, so what, what, what have we got left um, on offer from Alan Judge? Um, I think that's the best way to start with this. 
is I can't think anybody suggesting he's going to be fit much before Christmas, but um, I've not I, I've not seen a date for when he might return to fitness. So I think at best we might get 20 more games out of him on his current contract. Um, if you'd like to sign a new contract, um, you can't force anyone to sign a contract. So I'm going to suggest at the moment he doesn't look like he is. Um, so you know, so your options are 20 more games and he goes on a free at best. Or you sell him for what you can scramble for him while he's not actually fit, um, you know. And, and 20 games may be the best you're going to get out of him, you know, or or his potential or his sweeters are going to get out of him. So um, I don't really see many other options than to try and get a deal done. Um, three three different points there. I'll start with a flippant one. Um, someone really made me laugh on Twitter. And they said, if Newcastle want Alan Judge with a broken leg, do you think they want Josh McEachern as well? <laughs> and I, I kind of, I did have, I did have a little chortle about that. No, no, you know, for whatever reason. Um, to follow on from what Matt's saying, um, you've got to look at the fact uh, Alan Judge probably would have gone to Sheffield Wednesday if it hadn't have been for circumstances. Um, back at the last transfer window, um, the, his agent and himself have been looking elsewhere for a little bit of time now. He he was always going to be the next one to leave Brentford. Um, it does surprise me quite considerably that he's gonna, he might leave Brentford with a broken leg. I don't I don't often know many transfers that go through when a player can't even walk, um, let alone play football. But we know that he's calibre before the injury is unquestionable. We know his record at Brentford is tremendous. He's a, he is a Brentford legend. He, is a, he did score the goal that sent us up. Um, he, is, he is truly a special player. We bought him off Blackburn's scrap heap. We, we, our system identified him. We bought him in on loan and then he played well and we, we managed to get that transfer across the line. So the system found him, the system's going to sell him. I wish he could stay, I wish he would sign a contract, it's all unlikely. It doesn't, even if he, even if he comes back and his, re, his rehab and his um, recovery goes 100% to plan, he plays B-team games, he doesn't break down in training, he makes first challenges and he doesn't break down and he, and he excels in the first team, he's still out of contract to the end of the season. The chances of him signing a deal on the wages that he expects are zero. Um, the best thing that can happen is the player is happy, Brentford are happy. Unfortunately, Ipswich has done us for probably four million quid. If that challenge hadn't have happened, we would have got a lot of money back in January. Things will look a bit in summer. summer. The, the, the challenge with him, Mark. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, back in the summer. But, but, you know, there was a chance that he would have gone before that window still. There were circumstances that happened that didn't mean that he went in January. He that wasn't it, all that. No, no, but Sheffield Wednesday were in for him for a lot of money in January. He didn't go because of circumstances. And, you know, again, you know, and, and in, you know, he missed out on a big deal in the summer and he missed out on the Euros in the summer. He's 27, 28, 29. He deserves one big payday. Brentford can't pay that. I think, I mean, the point that you, and I'm just going to, you know, flag out a little point here as well. Interestingly, Alan Judge came to us when we were playing in Division 1. So he came from Blackburn 
whoever told me before, oh, Blackburn, they're that championship side, they're really good, right? Parachute payments and everything like that, I think they might have had at the time, and he, he came there, he came down to us, he played very well for that three or four months that he was with us, and I thought at the time, there's no way Blackburn are going to let him go. But it just goes to show you the difference, because he was in Division 1, he played very well, and Blackburn went, no, 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 we're better than that. So they let him go to us, and it's easy, and that happens a lot with the players, your foreshores and your deans, and all these other players, they let you go in Division 1. There's a difference when you go to the Championship. If he was loaned to us in the Championship, and he played well, Blackburn would have never have sold him to us. So, this flags up what we, the article that I wrote a few weeks or a few weeks ago. It was after the game, it was after the first game of the season. And it flags up this whole issue about kind of, we have moved into a different plane when we're trying to sign these players now, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what we're trying to do is we're trying to sign these championship players, you try to sign them for a championship team and you're, 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 you're struggling. Or teams are, so you're going a little bit below, but everyone else is after us because you're on the radar. Beforehand, we weren't on the radar. And Alan Judge, like I said to you, I was absolutely gobsmacked that Blackburn didn't, because he was brilliant. He scored the goal that sent us up, and they, they said, there you go, 250 grand or whatever, I don't even know what the money was, but it wasn't very much. Brilliant, thank you very much. Dave used the word system, and the word system is the key to this, because actually what our, uh, our system is working and um, what it produces is players who go on to uh, clubs who can afford to, play, to, to, to pay more money. I mean, you know, the system is still working, because only today is another Brentford uh, academy player, uh, the beating goalkeeper Ellery, Ellery Sorry, Ellery uh, Balkum has just um, been um, uh, named in the latest England under-18 squad. So, you know, that's, that's the success story for the Brentford system. And at the weekend, I was also, uh, Monday, I was also um, amazed to read somebody writing in a national newspaper about what, re- what a revelation Adam Forshaw was in the game that he played for Middlesbrough at the weekend. Well, you know, those of us who've been following Brentford for a while will tell you how Forshaw, how good Forshaw was and why, you know, going to Middlesbrough was a no-brainer for him and where it looks what he's ending up now is he's getting flawed about playing in the Premiership. So Brentford is developing a, a system and the system works. What worries me is that I don't see yet on the horizon anybody coming from outside who is joining us into that system. It's harder. Yeah, sure, it's getting harder and harder, but that means that the director of football and the head scout has to really, chief scout, has to really earn their corn on it and dig around, you know. Adam Forshaw, Andre Gray, Alan Judge, these players come, these players go. And they do, but again, we've got to keep on fighting. Of course we do, but the the whole point I'm saying is that if we were in Division 1, It'll be easy to pull them players in. We're now in the championship, so what have we done to flip the script for us to get these players in? Because it's undoubtedly harder for us to do it, and we know it's harder, so we need to actually change it. Because we can't just turn around and say, we get these players on loan. Because what we do is we get these players on loan, and we do like 10 off, and then they get brilliant, and then somebody else buys them because we can't afford it. It's a different scenario. If we had Canos in Division 1, I'm just telling you, if we had Canos in Division 1, he'd be our player now, but he's not because we got him in the championship. He wouldn't have come on loan for us in Division 1. So, you know, everything kind of... Or he might have. I don't think he would have. Um, I think, you know, everything's relative and I do agree with your point because to some... some, um, 
some aspect to your point is that I think we are finding it harder now. Um, I mean, I, I put on Twitter today something about you only need to start worrying when people are stop trying to sign your players. And, you know, so say Judge does go, say Hogan does go, then I ask you who's next. Woods, maybe? But we have to keep, we, what we have to do is keep producing, keep finding, keep producing. And, and, when, and, and, and ultimately what we're trying to do is identify the point where, and I don't know if we've reached it, maybe we have, where we, we're not, where we haven't found the next player to sell off. We're not there yet, but there maybe are a few warning signs. Okay, but you can see, right, where a lot of fans are getting a little bit dispirited, and the reason why is that what they do, they turn around and say, oh my God, we're selling these players. The problem is that if we're not, as you say, producing, bringing the players, if you're bringing the players in, that's fine. But the fact is, if you're not bringing the players in, so we had a, we had a wonderful period where we got in you, you know, you were Odebarjus, you got your Grays in, you got your Hogan's, we had that. We had a wonderful period two years ago. Not knocking the players that are coming now, but the fact is that what I'm trying to say to you is that a lot of fans are sitting down there being quite despondent because the fact is that if we could, we, we found it harder as well, but if we could be, tur- if we're turning these players around and you're knocking them back in, then people go, all right, I see where this is coming from. But you could also understand the despondency of some fans which are seeing the players going out, but it becomes harder for the players to come in. So you all of a sudden you sort of thinking, what type of club are we? Yeah, and, 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 I, and, and I understand that, and I, have, and, I pre- and I have just said that I think there are some danger signs at the moment. But five months ago, who would have said Scott Hogan um, would we'd be talking about potentially, you know, this whole city rumour that's come out? And maybe there isn't another Scott Hogan, but until there isn't, you know, we have to, I kind of agree with Nick, in that the system appears to be working. I just think we just need to make sure that there just are a few danger signs at the minute that, 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 that you know, it, that, that we may start running out of players at some point. Um, I also think there's a tendency to just assume football is the same as it always ever was and it, it, it isn't and football I think the rules of football and the loan the way the way the, 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 the way clubs interact with each other and the way clubs loan with each other is changing it's changing year on year so you almost have to reset the way the rules are and I, I think that's very difficult for a lot of fans for all fans to, to take on board you know think things aren't the same as they were back in 78 you know you just you, clubs that loan out players they, they demand a, they demand a fee for them you know that never used to happen it's almost like you know, there was like a gentleman's agreement you're doing each other a favour um, I, what, the one thing that does worry me and, and I, I 100% agree with what Bill said is it has become a lot more difficult for us to get these players because for, for that reason things change year on year you know I, I, I we need I, I hope and we need for this conveyor belt system to continue. We need to be finding the, the woods, we need to be finding the Barbays, the Collins, you know, we, we, we need to be able to bring in two or three players that may not work with, 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 with the, without the pressure of fans screaming, it's foreign, it's foreign, you know, just, you know we, we actually need to look abroad again. You know, we, 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 we actually do need to look abroad and that's not, that's not to say it didn't work last year, we can never do it again, but it, it, you know, last year... But, but but, but did it not work last year? Well, no, that was perception. Right? It's not. It's not my. It's not my judgment. You know, I, I look at Barbay and Colin, and I don't think Jurassic was a disaster. I think Vibay has been great for us. Although I'm still surprised. We finished ninth, to be fair, on a budget which is lower than. And, and, and again, it's not gross hinted, but this is this is where we seem to, seem to still come back to where exactly we are. 
the, the, the thing is, we've been. Exactly we are is we've got we've got people who've got to start really earning their corn. You know, they're getting paid good money to do it. But no, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, at, at the moment, we're talking about the players that we got. And what I'm talking about, the players that we got, right? We've got teams, right? We've got teams in this division who've been here for years, right? Your Birmingham Cities, you, you know, your 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 Blackburn Rovers, all these lot. They're spending ridiculous amounts of money, right? And look at them. Where are they? Well, okay, if they're spending ridiculous amounts of money, we have got to we have got to outthink them and outplay them. The, the crux of this is who is it? Who are the people that are making this system be perceived that it's it, it's on the rocks? Because there's the problem. The problem is there is there is a band of people that are saying it's failing, it's failing, it's failing. But we are we are still an established championship team. You you can't deny this. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm not saying it's failing, but we have got to get to the situation where we've got to keep building and building and building. Why are we you not failing? But I'm not, you, but you can't stand, you can't progress by standing still. You've got to keep moving, you know, and moving forward. And the people who are at the top of our club have got to come up with the new ideas and the new t- and adapt to the new challenges that, that are being presented, like the like the loans ending when the transfer window shuts. You know, it's not easy, but and I don't claim to have any of the answers because I'm not in the profession. But you know, but that is what they're being paid okay, for. Okay, so just coming back to this, I mean, Alan Judge again is is out on what the deal's going to be, but you know, the rumours are, you know, it could be one and a half mil, it could be a couple of million. Uh, whether or not they're add-ons or not, we're not quite sure about that. Um, what, what do you think would be a decent deal for Alan Judge, and, and what do you think would be the deal that we've been a bit mugged off on, uh, or, or are we being mugged off on, considering the fact that he's out of out of, out of a deal in a, in a year's time? Because a lot of people are very angry that Alan Judge is going, but the fact is that he, I mean, and as Lady said, the fact is that 100 percent. He was off last December, and he was going to go this summer if he didn't, if he didn't get injured. That, was a, that is a fact. We got Sheffield United people, and they told us that was the score. He had, he had a deal done, 100%. So, he was going to go. The fact is, what is a good deal? Sorry, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I keep saying United because I've got the blazer. I can't get this Wednesday thing in my head. Uh, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday. What is a good deal, and what, what is a bad deal for us? I'm going to make a... Before we get to that, I'll make a point. Um... If we had a sold to Sheffield Wednesday for what would have been a considerable amount more money than we're going to sell for, um, there would have been a riot um, among certain people. And this is, and, there, and, and, there, and this is like, you know... And four, four, five, six million. Yeah, and, I'll make, and I'll make the same point with Potter as well. Though, and I have made it before, so I apologise being boring. But this is where you have to, um, you know, in this business that we're in, and the club that we are, you have to take the best money you can when you can. Um, and I'm, I'm making that point just to, just to get it in there. In terms of the question you asked me, I would say anything, in a, in, anything above two million, good deal. Anything below one million, bad deal. Um, on the present deal. On, on the present deal, because because ultimately, you know, he's got a year, he's got a year left on his contract. Um, what are we going to do? Unless there's, you know, there's not going to be a bidding war. There's not going to be eight clubs out there all out bidding each other. Um, I, I think, being realistically, I can't see us getting. You know, I, I, it's going to be somewhere between one and two million. You would think. Well, I've got to ask you. Know several, several, several's advocate. Uh, are we not better to just swallow the one million and let him run out of contract and let him go at the end of the year? So what are you going to get out of him? Twenty games. 
I'm just, I'm just being devils. Okay, so, so, so say, say somewhere between one and two million, say one and a half million, whatever. Um, someone do the math. How much is that a game for 20 games? And you've got to pay his wages. 50 grand. You know, it, 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 I, okay, if we're running in the top six, um, to get promoted, but to, you know, keep hold of him, but, but to, to, unless you realistically think that's going to be the case, I mean, okay, and if you're in a panic that we're going to get relegated, keep hold of him, because ultimately both of those two things will be worth more than we're going to get for him. But if, if you're happy that without him we're going to finish mid-table, I, I don't, I, you know, what, 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 what are you going to get out of him for the money you might, you might get for him? I say again, you know, all, all of this is presumed on that, you know, his, his recuperation goes to plan. You know, we, we know that doesn't always happen. He, he, he may break down in training. He may get re-injured. His form may not be the same. He may, not, he may be half a player as he used to be and he is going to run out of his contract at the end of the season. A good deal for me probably would be one and a half million rising to three million, but with um, a player in, on loan from Newcastle. They've got hundreds of them. <laughs> oh, look, look, I mean, oh, 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 hold on a second. The Liberal, please stay liberal on this point. I, I, I'm going to be perfectly liberal, and I'll go on my rant, is that actually we will never know how much we get for Alan Judge because it will be an undisclosed fee. And that is what is wrong about football nowadays, is that, you know, it, it could be a million, it could be two million, it could be five million, it won't. It will be somewhere between a million and two, and two million that we get for them. I'll get for, get for Alan Jones. And why is it that in this day and age, football supporters are treated like mushrooms? We have SHIT shoveled on us and expected to stay in the dark we should be able to know precisely what it is that the clubs are paying for players. It doesn't apply to Brentford, it applies to all transfers. Undisclosed fees are distorting the market and should be shut off by the Football League Authority. Well, I think you're being naive because um, Newcastle will, will, not want it, want, will not want to make it public knowledge what they paid for a player with a broken leg. And we will not want to make it public knowledge that we accepted below what most fans would want for Alan Judge. So it will be undisclosed. If it happens, it will be undisclosed. And I think to expect anything other is a bit naive, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I know it will be undisclosed, but it's a disgraceful system that in this day and age we allow undisclosed transfer fees. And the Football League and the Football Association and the Premier League should get their act together and disclose it. If in the most capitalist society in the world, America, the National Football League can declare exactly how much any transfer costs, they can declare how much every single player is paid, if the, if the billionaire owners of those, I can't remember how many teams there are in the National Football League, but 32 or it's less I think, if, if the billionaire owners of those clubs can come together and say we are going to be absolutely upfront and open about it. It's about time we became upfront and open about it in this country too. I'm mean, open some transparency. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. To be fair, I'm actually got to make that we we actually managed to sell a player with a broken leg to be we've got yeah, yeah. yeah, we haven't yet, but let's just let's just do you or let's it's been put into the pot because for me when I heard that was gonna happen, I I just say to be out in fair play. Of course we don't know what the fee is, but the big ones you we sat down there, we talked this a few weeks ago, maybe it was off record, and we just thought, Alan Judge, what's going to happen? He's running his contract out, we ain't going to get any money for him. So the fact that we've managed to look like we're going to sell him with a broken leg, I have to just say, it's fair play. 
hopefully Jota will change his agent and get Alan Judge's one because uh, that would be quite useful for us too. So we've got a little musical interlude again with Hang the BJ and who best to give us a little vibe on his time at Brentford but the ex-Brentford and Sheffield Wednesday striker Lloyd Arusu. Yo, 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 what's happening peeps? It's your boy, the one and only Lloyd Arusu. And I played as a striker for Brentford from 1998 to 2002 and then again in 2005 to 2007. I now live down under in Australia, where I coach at International Football and Tennis School. It's a full-time educational program where children train two hours a day and uh, they do the academics also. I've also been doing some acting and modelling in my spare time. I've got a couple of TV commercials and TV series on here. And also I'm still donning the boots and scoring goals for my team, Ride On Me Lions, which is a semi-professional club. And also I'm the technical director there. My funniest Brentford moment. <laughs> I'll always remember there was a training incident and I tackled Warren Aspinall and uh, he took it the wrong way before I sort of tried to injure him, which I didn't. So then after training, we finished training and I got to my car and my car was filled with gravel and I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, what's going on here? And I've just turned around and I've seen Warren Aspinall just chuckling outside the change room. So I thought, okay then, revenge time. So then the next day in training, I said to Ray Lewin, I said, oh, wait, I need to go to the toilet. And I go, he said, yeah, go on, son, just go. So I went to the toilet, and I went to go and do a number two. So anyway, back in them days, the older pros would change in the, uh, uh, their change room, and the younger ones would change in the other change room. So anyway, after my number so-called two, I uh, put the tissue paper in Warren Aspinall's pockets. So anyway, went back out to train. I just said something to a couple of the boys, and they were just, they were just cracking up anyway. So anyway, after training, we've all gone back in, and then... Uh, We've all had showers, and then obviously, next thing all you've heard is, what the beep, 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 beep. As you can imagine, Warren Aspinall's actually swearing up the place, saying, what the F, what's going on here? And I just started chucking up, and everyone was just laughing, because obviously, he's put his hands in his pockets, and he's covered his hands with all my number two, so don't mess with the youngsters, was I? <laughs> hands in the air, what's it all about? Well... When I first scored one of my first goals for Brentford, I just uh, ran away. I remember I scored a, I scored a goal against Darlington and uh, I just ran away and just sort of pumped my hands up in the air. And all of a sudden, it just sort of stuck. I came out the next game I scored and then the fans just were doing it. And then ever since then, it just sort of followed suit. So as like everyone calls it the, the raising the roof celebration, the Arusu celebration, so everyone knows it. The players who I've rated most at Brentford um, at my time there, well, there's a few to be fair, I'll have to name. I must admit, first and foremost, I'd probably have to say Gavin Mann, uh, just for his overall presence as a player and a character. His actual technical ability was totally unbelievable. His touch, his striking of the ball, he was just a pleasure to play with. And also, he was just a great guy on and off the pitch. I would have to say Martin, aka Beckham Rowland. Uh, I used to always call him Bex because why do you used to think he was Bex where he used to dress and do his hair but I must admit he did put a ball in the box just like Beckham he had a great delivery and he uh, supplied me with a lot of ammunition to score some goals so uh, I credit him with a lot of that uh, Scott Partridge a lot of uh, sort of un unsung hero really 
uh, we had a great combination with him, myself and him, little and large. It was uh, really good. We scored a lot of goals and going to the championship, he was one of them centre forwards who would just mesmerise defenders and also create opportunities for myself. So I, I appreciate a lot of the stuff he did for me. And I would say first, first and lastly would have to be uh, Triple B, Big Ben Burgess. He came from Blackburn uh, and it was quite surreal really because obviously we were both really tall guys and uh, we didn't really we didn't really think we'd complement each other but we actually did because we've both been used to playing with a smaller guy and uh, yeah we, we scored over 40 goals with each other so uh, it was a great season and uh, he was a great guy as well. I ended up in quite a few places since leaving Brentford well let me tell you yeah I sure did uh, ended up going to Cyprus to try and play there and also to Indonesia to try and play there but uh, the Cyprus tale wow that was a funny one uh, I wouldn't even say funny more of a weird one uh, I signed a year contract there so I was looking forward to playing out in a sun in Paphos and then uh, I remember one training session it was only probably about four or five weeks into the seat or into the pre-season and uh, the some of the directors just turned up to the training ground and all our foreigners, there was about five foreigners, we were all, we were all given cars and all of a sudden we just see them driving away, the cars are driving away in the dust, I'm thinking what's going on here and then one of the, the coaches said oh the, the club is not paying you foreigners and I was like hold on, you can't be saying you're not paying us, we've all signed your contracts so I was just like no way I can't be living like this knowing, not knowing week in and week out whether I'm going to get paid or not. So I just said to my, my advisor, I said, get me out of here. So six weeks later, I was gone and left uh, Paphos, which was a bit unsad, but that was life at the end of the day. The Olympics has just finished, and yes, it's very true that I come from a, a sporting, athletic family. My sister, Leslie Arusu, is a, a Great Britain runner. She's been running for Great Britain for many a year now, and actually now she's actually the... 400 meters uh, world championship at the Vets, the over 35. So uh, she's done really well, and also they're the world record holders for the 4x4 relay, uh, the Great Britain ladies. So excellent there. And uh, myself, to be fair, I would, I would probably have been an athlete prior to being a footballer because I used to always, always uh, run track and field, and I used to love it. But I guess since since football took over, I just I just love football so much. My most memorable Brentford moment, I would have to say, it's got to be first and foremost signing for Brentford as, as a whole, coming from non-league. That was just that was beautiful, and then also winning the league title back in 1999 away at Cambridge, coming down to the last game to see who who took the actual trophy. And luckily for myself, I scored a one and only goal that won us the championship. So that was a great memorable moment. So that was fantastic times. The tune that reminds me most of Brentford. <laughs> well, as I was a so-called DJ back in the days when I was at Brentford, and the genre of music, especially that time of year, was was all was all garage. And uh, I used to be in charge of the entertainment at Brentford, so uh, I would bring in a tune for the boys. And I must admit, uh, there was one tune that just everyone just used to love when, when I used to drop it in the mix, and that was. Uh, Sunship featuring Anita Kelsey Try Me Out the tune every time I hear it even now it just reminds me of me being in the changing room with the boys everyone just flossing and dancing before before matches and uh, even prior to us going back out 
for the start of the kickoff. The tune will just be blaring in the background and everyone will just be dancing and enjoying it. Well, guys, i got to say, it's been great talking to you all. Uh, I've just got to say, my, my time at Brentford is, was just fantastic. The way the fans, especially for me, the number one fans that I've ever had in my whole career, were just true, true fans, really treated me with real courtesy and, and uh, just showed real passion to me. And I, I, I can't I, I appreciate every single thing that they've done for me. It was a great time for me to be there. And uh, yeah, I love it. And I definitely, definitely miss it. And uh, when I'm back in England, that will definitely be my first portal call to get down to the old Griffin Park and uh, see a game. And to finish off, guys, all I can say is I hope you have a great season this year in the championship and try and get that promotion to the promised land. And all the best. Come on, you bees! And a little bit of useless Brentford information for you. The guy that produces Track Sunship, he actually lives on the Braemar Road and his house backs on to Griffin Park. He's a QPR fan, but he does like the bees. Sunship, respect to you. The Vardy effect. The Vardy effect. The Vardy effect is on. It's, it's unbelievable. You get that sheep factor. I mean, no, none of these big clubs are interested in non-league. I mean, they didn't look below sort of like the middle of the, the Premier League before. Now then, Jack Vardy turned up, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, non-league! Oh, yeah, brilliant place for non-league." Andre Gray comes to pay us 500 grand from him from Luton, scores about a million goals in about two minutes, and then he's transferred to Burnley, and then he's gone to the Premier League, and he's scored a goal against Liverpool. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, Andre Gray, the Vardy effect. Everyone's talking about the Vardy effect. Affect us again now, because obviously there's a few rumours. Not saying they're true, but a few rumours going around in the whole local paper. So it's actually in the newspaper that uh, Scott Hogan is being approached by Hull. We've heard on the grapevine that there's maybe no official approach or anything like that at all, so it's, you know, so that's not the case, but, you know, maybe they might have gone around the houses, maybe that might be the mate of a mate of a mate, we don't know. Sometimes there's no smoke without fire, but the fact is, whether or not it's happened or not, we're talking about that Scott Hogan, the Vardy effect, they've looked at Scott Hogan and thought, oh, God, this he's Brentford, oh, he scored like seven goals in three minutes for Brentford, so he must be the best player ever. The whole city, with their parachute payments that they've gone up to the Premier League, they're back here again. Coming here, trying to out-tuck us for our players. I'm going to ask you guys, what is this all about, this, the Vardy effect, the Allard? Um, I, I think it's just, uh, there's this, you know, you get trends, don't you, whether it's football or music or, or whatever, and, um, you know, Vardy is Vardy has been an in- incredible success at um, Leicester, and um, and everybody now is worried that they're going to miss out on the next one. So it's become kind of cool and and trendy um, to sign you know players that have a non-league background in recent years. I suppose you, you know Andre Gray being one of them. Um, and 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 it worries it worries me to some extent because. Um, I think we all want to see what Scott Hogan's capable of, and um, he's only played, I think, a played 11 or 12 games for us. Um, but in, in other respects, I just think this is completely bonkers. You know, the guy has played the majority of his football in non-league football, and... Um, and, and well, well, non-league, he was at Rochdale. Yeah, but before that, he was at Hyde, Ashton United, um, Wood- Woodley Sports, 
Mostly. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, and a, and a Halifax Town, who I assume were non-league at the time, I might be wrong about that. Um, so, you know, and and it just seems to be that... that I, I'm not sure if Bardi... I think the point I'm trying to make is, would people be getting as excited about Scott Hogan as they are, in terms of, you know, potential sweeters again, in, uh, as, as if Bardi hadn't proved what he's proved, and Andre Gray to some extent? Well, we, we, you and I spoke to a Sheffield Wednesday fan on the way up to uh, on the way up to Rotherham, and, and, he, and he was saying that you know uh, Sheffield Wednesday is still kicking themselves that Bardi was on their book, and you know they, they didn't they didn't see they didn't see the potential of him. But at the time when he was a kid, you know he was a bit wayward. So you know all your stars need to align. You know, we, 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 maybe we have got Scott Hogan at exactly the right time. You know, he, he's had his injuries, so hopefully he's strong. Um, he looked it. He looked angry. He looks really, really up for it. He didn't look, he didn't look happy to lose on, on on Saturday when the final whistle blew. He was he was balling out a couple of Brentford players for not getting the ball in earlier. Um, so you know, his season's not started exactly as the last one ended. Um, I don't I don't necessarily th- I don't know I don't necessarily think he's looking to move, but. Uh, would I be right in saying that he's, he's out of contract at the end of this season too? I, I, I guess we don't know because we don't know whether or not his contract was extended when he was injured. I don't know what the score was. I, I think he did sign an extra year, but I've I got a feeling, and I may be wrong, I've got a feeling this is that year. So um, we, we may, be, you know, he, he may be looking. It's just a procedure. I mean, let's not be surprised that a player that may be out of contract within two years is looking elsewhere. Let's, let's, let's not be surprised that a player that scored a lot of goals at the end of last season may be not on someone else's radar. Let's not be surprised that a player that can score goals in the Championship is, is of value to someone else. Please, let's learn from what's happened over the last two years and let's not keep going back to a default setting of room for the selling. You know, that's what we will continue to do. That's the only way we can survive. So what I'll say, though, I mean, devil's advocate is what I'll say, though, is there's, there's, there is also a difficulty because the fact is that if we always sell, if we, if, we, if we say that there's always a price for everyone and we always sell, like, say, for example, say, for example, we sold Scott Hogan the last day of the transfer window and we were unable to get anybody else in because it was the last day of the transfer window and we've got our prize asset, right, or anybody else, right, you know what I'm saying? So we got a load of money in for him but we still have the last day of the transfer window so we end up basically treading water for three or four months without having, like, you know, we've got Speedway, which is cool. The, the, the problem that we have and the problem that we have in the fan scenario is that we sit down and think that what is the ethos, what is the strategy for the club? Because the fact is that one minute you've got the, the, the director of football and everyone and the, 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 the manager saying we're going to be top six, like that. But then afterwards you, you know, we, we, we sell players if people come in for them. We understand we've got a two-year cycle, right? So say for example, if players are there for more than two years, you realise that, to be honest with you, they're probably more than often going to go. But at the end of the day, isn't there a period of time where you turn around and say, well actually, no, we're going to have to hang on to you because we think you're good enough that in six months' time or a year's time, you'll still be worth this amount of money. Do you just sell them at a drop of a hat? And that's, that's the question that I, I actually don't know. Hopefully the strategy is not of the club, is not to react or overreact to what are rumours and Twitter rumours. I mean, I think the Hogan story comes from somebody on Twitter this morning, this, that is, uh, where, where are we today, Wednesday morning, put out that Hull City 
one, Scott Hogan at Brentford, goal scorer, Sunderland keeping an eye on that one too, which was then picked up by the Hull Daily Mail, and I'll quote to you what the Hull Daily Mail wrote, and you can see how these things generate. They said, the 24-year-old scored his first goal of the season on Saturday, as Beans beat Nottingham Forest 1-0 in the Championship. However, he was unable to find the back of the net as Brentford were knocked out of the EFL Cup by Rotherham last night. Just goes to show you that all at the moment there is it, it's all paper talk, internet talk. I suggest to you that Hull City have not made any approach. Well, they have made an approach. There we go. And I would say to you that come September the second, Scott Hogan will still be a Brentford player. I hope you're right. You know, I, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to see him go. We haven't seen, we haven't seen the best of him. I hope um, we, we, just, we just don't need this. We don't need this like, recycling of, of negativity. We we need players coming in at the moment, and I, and I the DOS and the, the head scout, they need to come up front. They've got a week to do it. They have to do it. So what's interesting is um, the rules have changed now. And basically, in effect, I mean, the emergency loan window, from what I can gather, is gone. So from what I can understand is that any business that you do has got to be completed by the 1st of September. If your business isn't completed by the 1st of September, then you have to wait till January to reopen business again. And that probably explains a lot why Newcastle have gone into Alan Judge, because they think, look, you know, hold on a minute here. If we're going to do something, we're going to be first in the parlour, we're going to go for him now. You know, he might be he might be better in November. We can assess him then, and we can have him rough and running by December or January. So that's quite interesting. But also for Brentford and other players now, we need to be like on the money because we can't be like going, oh no, we, we've got we haven't got a centre back, we haven't got any strikers, we'll bring him in. We need to be done by the first of the the month. This is quite interesting in the way that the plan or the clubs have been operating. There, don't you think, Yellow? Um, yeah, I mean, I. I, I, this is the first time we've gone through this. Um, I think I think you'd be naive not to have a few concerns about how this is going to pan out because um, it, it, there's a little bit there's a bit of me a bit worried about it because I don't think we're oh, we're blessed with cover in certain positions. In fact, you could argue we haven't even got players in certain positions at the moment. Um, so um, I, I think it, it's going to be interesting, and, and it looks like maybe clubs with a few quid are sort of trying to forward load themselves with with, 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 with players, I guess. Um, and, I, and again, I think it's another example of where you know the system sort of goes against us and what we're trying to achieve because. Because in, in, in our ideal world, we run on a relatively small squad with the opportunity to bring loans in um, when um, if you end up with a, you know, some sort of a small injury crisis. And unfortunately, from, from what I understand of the new rules, that's not possible. Um, so I think, again, you know, it, it sort of plays in the favour of the clubs that can afford to have 20 to 24 full-time pros sitting around on, 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 these, you know, on big money. And, um, and, and, it, and it's maybe just another little thing that goes against us, really. Um, I think the, the B team is something that really needs to come into play here as well. I think, I think it becomes more and more important. I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to have 
the full the full allocation of players in every position um, when this transfer window ends, and I, and I think we will be looking over our shoulders to the B team and hoping that some of them can progress and step up when when called upon. Um, I, I think I think we're okay in midfield. I think we're okay at the back. Um, goalkeeper, if, if, if Bentley got injured, you know. Bonham, is he up for championship level? I, I, I hope he is. So I think I think in all positions we're we're okay apart from this wide wide up front thing, you know. Um, and and, it, and it's all about striking. Well, strikers, obviously, yeah, you know, we've 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 we've, we've got we've got Hoffman, we've got Vive, we've got we've got um, Hogan, you know, we've got we've got the kid that we've just brought in from Denmark. So he scored in the he scored for the he scored for the bees over in Spain. So look, look I'm going to talk about, let, let's just bring it back to like let's just bring it. You know, the, the other elephant in the room, we have to say, is Jota. You know, he's another. We, you know, we, we've been saying that we need that Jota. A player, we, we've actually technically got him, but what, what's going on there now? We, we need some resolution on this because if, he, if he's never going to play for us again, we need to get some money back on him. And if, he, if we're not going to get any money for him, he might as well be over here. We, 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 we did the right thing by Yossa, he had issues which we allowed him to go away and deal with, but that's six months, eight months ago. If he hasn't got over those issues, then I hope he does soon. If he has got over those issues, and it's not working out at Ibar, he needs to get his ass back over here and play for Brentford. I mean, again, um, look, look at the stats. He hasn't played that much for Ibar this season. Last season he was off and on, and he's played them, he's been subbed on and off, so whether or not Potter has not actually found the same form that he had with us last season, that's a different story. Yasser's gone. Sorry, Dave. He, 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 he's gone. He's, he's gone. our player, is what he's they say. Player. You know, he, he, we are not going to... He's gone. We are not going to see him in the Brentford shirt he's anymore. He's player for another year and a half, apparently. If we get... If we get... If we get a million for him, and we will never know because it will be an undisclosed fee, that we'll count ourselves lucky. We need win. That's what we need. We need win. I'll throw something else into this. Um, with hire because I see I hear both your arguments and I and, and Dave I respect you because because this is our time of need in that position. But Nick I agree with you if I'm honest. Um, but I think there's another thing in the mix is Dean Smith. Um, does he want to hot the back? Because 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 you know when it came down to it he didn't he didn't play him a lot when he was at the club. Um, and um, you know I'm sort of thinking does you know, do we know, you know, where Smith sits in the Hotter thing? You've got to remember the Hotter is, he's one of those players that isn't necessarily what managers would consider as ideal for the championship, because he's a small, wiry lad, you know, small, wiry kid, he's not, he's not, he's not, definitely not your archetypal championship player, um, he cuts inside most of the time, and I think there, are, you know, I think there are probably some people that watch him that haven't seen him play for Brentford like we did over a season. They probably think he's a bit of a one-trick pony, and I and I know that might sound bizarre to Brentford supporters, but I've had it said to me on more than one occasion um, about Hotter that actually, you know, you know, he does, you know, potentially does everything. And so I don't know. Does, what does Smith think of him? And, and, and as you say that, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm throwing this into the pot, and I'm just thinking this now. This is I'm being again devil's advocate here, but sometimes you know, as a club, I mean, you look back at Brentford, 
You know, we had players like Marcus Spence, who, when he was at Brentford, he was alright, but then he went off and they did this thing. Are we a club sometimes who you sometimes don't know what you've got? I think we're a lot better than it than we were before, but sometimes you've got players who are, you know, jewels, and then you just don't know what you've got because you're always chasing the rainbow or the little bow, the gold pot at the end of the rainbow. I know there's a big, big conversation going on about Alfie Mawson earlier in the week where all of a sudden the rumour is that um, Sunderland are, are after Alfie Mawson. Okay, player that we had came out of our academy, or maybe not the academy, but he was part of our youth system, but we didn't have the Alfie Mawson. Again, we've got the, the Hotter who is there, and he's gone over to somewhere else, for whatever reason it may be, we're chasing another wing. We, 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 sometimes we're always sort of chasing, you know, I, I, I don't want to pick up the Greek thing again, because you know, it's going to cause Ruckman, but the fact is that, you know, we end up, with, but no, but we end up going and, and getting Hoffman or somebody else, right? So that's what we do, because it's not good enough. So what we do is that we bring these things, and I'll a club sometimes that is always chasing the gold at the end of the rainbow and sometimes we maybe have to look at what we've got and this is what it comes back to the, the B team and everything like that to say actually hold on a second we're actually not bad at what we do here and maybe we need to look at the, the jewels that we got within and develop that question um, yeah I, I hear that um, I don't think there is a, um, a, a market spend in the club um, uh, that we're not aware of, if you know what I mean. I always thought he was a great player to be honest when he played for Brentford, and I thought he was kind of, you know, uh, this goes back to your discussion last week about, um, what was it, uh, Marmite players. I, I thought he was brilliant then. Um, and, 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 and I got absolute dog abuse from supporters, from one of the managers, you know, and I thought he was a fantastic. I, and, and people that sit with me will remember me saying that this guy is special. I mean, I actually, you know, I thought he might have been, a, he might have turned out a bit better than he did as a. But he still played the Premiership for a number of years, didn't he? He, he, he emerged at the wrong time for Marcus Spence. Yeah. You know, we, we, we had we had Taylor, Foster, Saba. You know, we, we we were blessed with we were blessed with a lot of attacking options, and there was a lot of expectation on him. And he, you know, right. he, 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 uh, spat with Dave Webb on the touchline was never never been repeated. I um, I think um, I think um, I don't think we've really answered your question because I sort of got her off on a on a because you mentioned Marcus Ben on the Marcus Ben right. Okay. So have we have we got the players to club? I I am intrigued to watch the development squad again because um, or oh, sorry the B, the B team please. Um, because there are new faces that have come in. Um, I'd like to see, because I actually was never particularly impressed when I saw him play before. Um, so that's, the, that's the development yeah, squad, not the B team. Sorry, but I'm, I'm generally talking about the team that isn't the first team, whatever you call it. I, I wasn't particularly impressed with what I saw in the development squad. Um, I'm intrigued to go and see the B team in the near future as soon as possible, really, because I do wonder if maybe that maybe this is, uh, you know, fingers crossed, this is going to be a better bridge in for the first team, and maybe there's a slightly higher level of football um, being played. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see that. But is there a hidden, you know, kid out there that I that I think is the next, you know, player? Um, no, I haven't seen him yet. And, and then interesting you say about the, the B team, we talked about this a bit earlier, um, because the thing is that all you want is what's best for the club. The, the academy was brilliant, we got the players coming through, there's loads of players coming through. But the interesting thing about the B team, we said it's a little bit more focused, because you know there's 18, 20, 24 players, you basically almost like, it's almost like you seem to go out to get players who you think might be able to make the first team, you sign them on contract, and you come back, you know, here we go. I would only say that there is probably no chance, Matt, of you seeing the B team in action because the B team doesn't play in, a, in, a, in any way in a competitive league or in a, in a structured format anymore. Um, the B team game seems to sort of 
appear out of the blue like the one that they played against was it this morning against yeah. uh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but but I would suggest to you that that the games that the B team are playing are not not necessarily going to be advertised well in advance. You're not going to be able to say, okay, I'm going to take next Tuesday off because I can next Tuesday afternoon off because I can go and see the B team play play in the same game. Yeah, I'm not I'm not knocking I'm not knocking what they're playing. I'm just I'm just saying that we that that the the average fan. It's not going to be able to see what we have in the BT. Okay, now we hear that. So listen, we say again, we said that Shibu he scored the other day, which is interesting. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not players actually start coming through from the B team because from from us, it seems like it's basically we're signing a load of players, and I know they've set the bar very low, one player a season, but they've set the bar for basically players to come through. I know it doesn't. It doesn't knock back from the fact that we've got, you know, we still should be signing players, stuff like that. But interestingly, we're just looking here at a, a match that they played at Villarreal in, uh, in in Spain, you know, and, uh, and 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 that's what it is. But anyway, yeah, no, no, no. But sorry, Billy, just 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 confirm the argument. We've just discovered that apparently, according to a Derby County blog on one of Twitter, our yeah, one of our mates, yeah, Ollie. Uh, Ollie. Ollie. Ollie has said a Telegraph journal has now added Derby City to the list, or Derby County, sorry, to the list of potential suitors. Suitors for who, though? But, but with Judge seeming the off, no, surely for Hogan. For Hogan. Yeah. For Hogan. I mean, you know, that, it's this time of year. It is this time of year. And what were you saying? But what are you saying? I am saying the transfer window as well is causing all sorts of. But yeah, but that's where you get anyway. So you're not saying you're, you're actually not saying anything. You know, you're going to get rumours. So what you do? You either you either blow them up but or you just let them let, let them go. But, but let's not blow the rumours up. Either. You're blowing them up. You just mentioned this no, one. No, 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 no one else was mentioning it. But you you decided to bring it onto the podcast. I'm no. I was looked at that and I thought, yeah, whatever. Derby into him. I let you know what I'm saying. Real Madrid are into him as well. Listen, let's see what happens. Are they? Are All right. Yeah. Well, in, in Spanish football, you do actually have to disclose transfer fees. Well, yeah. they have the Kepren as well. <laughs> yeah, they'll that, that, have him. Yeah. So anyway, look, we're going to move on just quickly. Three at the back, two up front. So three at the back, two up the front. This is something that we're, to be honest with you, we're going to talk about this probably in um, a week or two's time after the transfer window. But we, we, we brought this to light because if you look up the site of uk. There's an interesting article by the Viney B, Dan Vine, and he's talked about the, the fact that, you know, maybe Brentford are trying to play one particular way, but we haven't got the staff to play that way, and maybe we should be looking to play a different way. We're trying to play this one-man-up-front thing, and maybe, you know, we should be trying to look at the fact that we've got, like, four centre-backs, and if we've got four centre-backs, maybe we should actually be looking to accommodate them in a different way, and playing with more players at the back, and maybe also if we got, you know, a man up front who's on his own, maybe we nice to be supporting with two players up front. And I know this isn't, this is not what we do, but maybe we actually need to do that because there's been different sides who have changed the script. You know, Leicester won the league playing 4-4-2. You know, in the Premier League, they won the Premier League, yeah. And you've got, you know, all sorts of international teams start off playing different different styles of football. You know, even teams that we've played recently in in, in the Championship. You know, so at the end of the day, there isn't one specific way to play football, and maybe we may need to look at that. But I mean, just quickly, I'm just going to open this up to you guys because we're going to discuss this more because it's not fair to discuss this until the transfer window is shut. But 
if we are short players, maybe we should be looking at a different way we're playing, is it? I think if the transfer window slams shut without assigning any other players, then um, I think I think we really have to consider how overstocked we are in certain positions, and obviously the, the, the main area is centre back, where we got four. You know, uh, we have got four. All right, we've not seen BLM play, but let's make a let's make an assumption that the guy can play. He plays for Denmark, yeah. So let's so we got four decent, really good centre backs. Um, and um, and this is the point the article was making. It was a it was a really good, interesting article. Um, that you know we should we we could consider playing three at the back. Um, you throw your wing backs in, and it gives you the opportunity potentially to play two up front. Um, I I think it's probably I think we may be a bit ahead of ourselves, as you've just said, and maybe we need to see what happens in the transfer window. But, um, but, but your width then comes from your full-backs, rather than from, you know, this, this winger that we don't have, or wide player that we don't have. So you are very reliant on the wing-backs to be able to push forwards and, and, and give you that width. But the question I've got to say to you as well, again, I remember Dean Smith tried to do, uh, he, he, he did that in the pre-season friendly, and he flipped it, you know, with a five-at-the-back scenario. And then it was abandoned. But maybe was it abandoned because we didn't have the staff to play it? Well, Bielen got injured again, didn't he? So maybe that was... Because I think he's probably key to playing this way. Also, we didn't have Elder, did he? And we didn't have Elder either playing as, 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 um, as wing-back. So, so and, and that's why I kind of say we need to see what happens in the transfer window. You, you know, but, but I think that... I, I, I really think that if we are... If we end up more or less where we are now, then I, I, I really think it's worth a look at. What I, what, I quite, what I quite liked about the article was that I, I don't think that finally B expected it to happen. It was just a li- it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a, 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 let's, let's think a little bit differently. Let, let let's kind of work out who we've got at this stage in time without without anyone else coming in. And exactly the same way, you know, we, we can't really talk about this too, in too much detail until the transfer window's closed because we we may end up with a couple of couple of two one new player hopefully um, that, that comes in but you know what we need to keep doing is reinventing ourselves and, and, and I, I'm really comfortable with that I know there's a lot of fans that aren't but I can only talk personally I can only talk honestly I, I quite like the fact that you know the players that are going to come in I, I probably won't ever have heard of them and I, and I, and I, and I quite I quite like that us boxing clever I quite like the fact that we are the, the quirky ones I, I, you know it's the only way we're going to survive and you know, as I said earlier, and maybe I was a little bit strong about if you know if you don't like it, go elsewhere. But you know, you, you have to be honest to, to where we're we're at, and we, we can't we can't compete with Wolves, we can't compete with Derby County, we can't compete with Birmingham City. You know, so how are we going to compete? And that's kind of risking it, and that's that's taking punts on people, and they're not always going to work out. But let's enjoy them. You know, the same system that's got us cannot is going to find us someone else. And, you know, but I wish they would hurry up and do it. I, my short but sweet contribution to this uh, debate is this is where I reserve my position on the manager. Um, can he make um, a change system work? Um, I would suggest the jury is still out. So, listen, we're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks' time after transfer window shut, because then we'll have more of an idea of where we're at, what players we've got. Yeah, if we've got the wingers in place, then we can do kind of what we want. If we've got the players in place that we haven't do, then we might have to flip the script. And I think this is a, this is a really good opportunity to involve you lot uh, listening to this. You know, if this opens up a, a tin of worms, you know, so can, can we have a few suggestions from, from you? What, what do you think? What, what's going through your mind right now? 
can you can you add your comment to to, to the to the, the you know the beside post? Just just write what you think. Saturday, big game with the Sheffield Wednesday coming down, sold out their allocation. Of course they did. Sixteen hundred fans coming down. And they're going to be in the pub some very, very early. I know my man on the line here, he's got to train at about 7.30 in the morning or something ridiculous. They're going to be in the pub some probably 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock. So big game for them lot. We're trying to get the blueberry beer down. We're still working on it. We'll see what we can do. But I've got James from the Wednesday Week podcast on the line. How you doing, my man? Yeah, good, thank you. Yourself? I'm not bad. I'm not, you sound very relaxed considering that you've lost a couple of games and uh, you should have been doing a lot better, you know, considering <laughs> where you were last season. But look, I'm going to go in with a quick fire fire. I'm going to ask you five quick fire questions to find out where Wednesday are at the moment now. So listen, the Wednesday week, boys, I want to ask you the question. Listen, you guys, I mean, are you, are you happy with your start of the season so far? Um, well, no. I mean, ultimately, ultimately not. Um, I think it actually did start at the very start pretty well. We beat Villa. We got a good draw at Norwich on the back of a, a difficult uh, day when, when it, it, it came out that Fernando Forestieri had refused to travel with the team and, and, and we played really well at Norwich. Since then, it's all gone a bit wrong. Um, we lost at Burton and we lost against Leeds on Saturday. Uh, both were um, less than less than average performances to be fair against teams that, that weren't particularly great either so at the moment we're in a bit of a strange position we're creating chances um, I think we've got the second highest average possession in the league so far this season so we're certainly getting plenty of the ball we're certainly creating chances at the moment something's not quite right it's not quite happening for us so I would say that we remain confident but at the moment with uh, you know, a little bit of uncertainty I mean, interesting, because if you were with Brentford, you know, we had 70% possession on Saturday, so between the both of us, we can't both have 70% possession, so something's got to give. But I'm going to say, because in the close season, you bought a whole leap of players, didn't you? You know, you're very, very excited. You bought players from all over the place. Yeah, we brought in some really good players. I mean, uh, first things first, we, we kept together the nucleus of the team that, that got us to the playoff final last season, so um, no one's kind of gone out. We've not lost any of that team. We've added um, Stephen Fletcher, obviously well-known striker. He was at Sunderland last season, spent the second half of the season on loan at Marseille. Um, so, so he's come in as our big name kind of striker signing, if you like. Uh, we've brought in Alman Abdi, who uh, was at Watford, played quite a few games in the Premier League. Um, and then just in the last week or so, we've brought in David Jones, who was at Burnley, again, with quite a bit of Premier League experience. I think he's got I think he's five promotions to the Premier League under his, his belt, which is second only to... Kevin Phillips. So for the level that we're at, he's got bags of experience. One or two other players as well that we've we've brought in, Will Buckley from Sunderland on loan. So um, in theory, we've got a stronger squad than than the one that took us to the playoff final last season. At the moment, it's just not quite falling into place on the pitch, and we've probably got a few too many players that we want to try and get in the starting eleven than we can actually fit in there. So look, I mean, you're still you're not overly happy with what's going on. I'm. You're obviously not overly happy with the Forestieri. He did a James Tarkowski, as we call it. He went on <laughs> strike. He wanted to force the move, so he went on strike, which to us is bang out of order. Now, James Tarkowski was blacklisted from the Brentford fan list, like you know what I'm saying. But I know you love Forestieri. He's come back and he's apologised, like Tarkowski did. But you know, where does he stand with the fans? I think there is a subtle difference between the two because um, it, it all depends on, on who you talk to and who you believe. 
But there seems to be generally a consensus now that it wasn't about trying to force through a move. It was about his contracts and some of the big-name players that we brought in during the summer had kind of pushed him down the pecking order, and he felt that he deserved a, a pay rise, kind of went about it the wrong way. Um, so I think we, we feel reasonably confident that there's not been a point at which he said he wants to leave the club. He's just wanted a bit more money. Um, got about it you know, the complete wrong way and, and, and was a real idiot. Held his hands up and has come back into the team. I think it's fair to say there's been a slightly mixed reaction from fans. I think most fans have accepted his apology and said, all right, you've apologised, that's fine. Now go and do the talking on the pitch. Um, and he should have scored at least once against Leeds on, on Saturday. Had a couple of really good chances. There are fans that, that, that really feel that it's bang out of order to refuse to play for, for the club and um, you know, a, a kind of a, have a bit of a downer on him at the moment. And, and I can understand both sides of that argument. And, and normally, like I said, you know, if it's if it's anything like what we've been through before, after the apology comes the transfer. So you know, you do the apology just to get people on board a bit, but then you know, you're probably fine. But if it's seven days, it'll be off anyway. So uh, well, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But saying that, actually, um, Newcastle probably they can forget Forest Gary. We'll go for Judge because they've gone for our, our striker with a broken leg, which you were meant to get last uh, December. So uh, it'd be interesting, yeah. <laughs> interesting little swap there. But listen. You've got the Bees game on Saturday. Massive game for you guys because you need to get back on track. What's your mm-hmm. thoughts? It, it, it's a weird one because we, we, we recorded our podcast last night and we were talking about it. And, and I, I, I said then that, um, you know, obviously we've made a, a relatively slow start to the season. You guys have had a fairly mixed start to the season, two wins, two defeats. Um, obviously a disappointing result at Rotherham on Saturday. We had a disappointing result against Leeds on, on Saturday. It kind of feels quite a bit like when we played each other at your place last season, uh, which again was, was quite early on in the season. It was, it was a few weeks later than, than, than this time around. But again, we'd not quite got into our rhythm. Um, you'd not made the best of starts. In fact, I think it was your manager at the time. It was his last game, wasn't it? He got fired after that. Um, but, but I think we went into that game last season. Neither was really knowing which way it was going to go. Neither team was particularly in form. Um, and it feels a bit like that. It feels like this is a game that really could go either way. It, it could be for all. Uh, one on your team could win it by two or three clear goals. It could be a, a you know a stalemate and a nil-nil draw. I cannot call it. I just don't know. I think from our point of view, it depends which Wednesday turns up. If we get the, the formation right, particularly the midfield, then I think on our day we're confident we can beat anyone in, in this league. You know, I, I would say that we've probably got a better squad than when we came to your place last season. But then again, if we don't put out the right starting eleven, you could uh, you, you could rip through us in the way that Leeds did. So I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 quietly confident. I don't want to make a big song and dance about it, but I I, I hope that this is a game where we get our season back well, on track. Well, I'm not being funny, mate. Not, not being funny, mate. There's got to be a song and dance about it because you need to actually you need, need to put your now now your 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 you know your flags to the to the masters. It is. And at the end of the day, anyone can say that because Brentford, if their top team turns up, we'll turn you over 7-0. But if we fluff it, we won't do. So I'm going to ask you for a score prediction. Um, this is really boring. I'm going to go exactly the same as last season. I'm going to say Wednesday 2-1. Come on, you bees. And I'm going to say 1-0 to the bees. So listen, TWW on Wednesday week podcast. I'm going to see you and your crew in the Globe on Saturday for a few drinks. Hopefully we'll yeah, lose real in. But if we don't, don't hold it against us, OK? It's all right. We'll drink some of your southern ales for a day. We can make an exception. Yes, indeed. Right. Have a nice one. See you later.
So Sheffield Wednesday are coming down to Brentford. They've lost a couple of games, which they probably didn't expect to lose, because they thought they were on a proper run. They thought they were going to be, as we look at the uh, Brentford, uh, pretty much preview, the, the pre-season preview, Sheffield Wednesday, I think they thought they were going to finish second. They thought, yes, we're going to run this one. So it's going to be interesting to see how it is. They've also had the forestieri Tarkowski scenario, where he went on strike because he refused to play, because uh, was it Newcastle wanted to buy him. Newcastle wanted to buy everyone. You know, so uh, he went on strike because uh, they didn't want to sell him. So they've got a few issues going on at there, but they're coming down on Saturday. We got great vibes with the Sheffield Wednesday fans. We were actually trying to see if we could bring some uh, of their Bradfield, uh, Bradfield Brewery Blue, Blue Ale, got Blueberry Ale down. Um, hasn't gone particularly well, that little scenario. We're still trying to work on it. So if you turn up the Globe on Saturday and there's a Blue Ale down there, then you know that we've pulled it out of the bag. But we're, we're still working on that one. But still, listen, the Wednesday are coming down and... They're a little bit, I think they're a little bit nervous because they've lost a couple of games. They need to get a result against us. Lads, what do you reckon? Because we had a bit of a dicey one against them. We played great football against them. To me, Wednesday are the type of team that we'd rather play than Rotherham, who basically we have to break down. They're going to come at us. It may suit us better. Yeah, um, I got it completely wrong with Ipswich because my point, you know, I felt Ipswich were the wrong team to play. It turned out um, they, were, they were the right team to play. I think... Um, Sheffield Wednesday, you, you know we've been there. We know what it's like to lose in a in a in, in the playoffs, and um, and often the beginning of the following season isn't free. Um, and maybe Sheffield Wednesday is suffering a bit from that. I I think m- my feeling is is that you know they had a similar opportunity last season to the one we had maybe two seasons ago, um, and, um, and maybe that was their moment. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, on Saturday, um, you know how, how it pans out. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident about Saturday. I think we're right. Um, I reckon. I, I'm still going to go for draw. I'm going to go for one all. Yeah, and we'll come back to last week. I don't think anyone got the results right last week. No one predicted us to lose. It's a bit of a fluff, though. Quite happily, though, I'm still in the lead on the on the on the besotted league table. Three points. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, there you go. But anyway, ladies. Thing when you win in there. Um, uh, it's a really good time to play Wednesday. Let's just forget about what they did last year. I think I think we've got the, I think we've got the beating of them in football in terms. They're, they're, you know, what it's actually interesting for me is that they've, they've now got players that start starting to want to go. So they're going to lose players as well. Players that are feeling they're too big for Sheffield Wednesday. They want to go to the Prem. So like Forestieri. So it's you know it's not it's not exclusive to Brentford that players want to go wherever you are in the second order players always want to go higher they want to earn more so I, I think Brentford are going to win one nil. Interesting. I'm going to talk to Liberal Nick here, but we're going to mention that before. Uh, we have to mention this now. Sheffield Wednesday are one of the most expensive. So they're playing us at home. £23 for you to come in, so tip your hat to uh, Brentford um, Sheffield Wednesday for you to play that. When we go to Wednesday, you have to pay £36 at least, maybe not 38 40 quid to go up there to play, which is absolutely disgraceful. There's a little run-ins going on here, where uh, I think the Allard has turned around and said he's not paying over £30 to, to go to a match. And also uh, the Liberal Nick said that as well. Uh, he's not going to pay over £30, so he wasn't going to go to Brighton. Brighton have now, interestingly, brought their price down from over £30 to £30, which means that the Liberal is now... He's not quite sure whether or not that, well, that, that counts or not. One P. Yeah. One P. Yeah. That's right, so he's not sure whether... But, and, and, and the question I said to him is, that we, we, where do you line this, the Liberal? 
I said I would not pay over £30. £30 is not over £30, therefore I should be going to Brighton. I, so, going back to Sheffield Wednesday, this will be the only chance I get to see Sheffield Wednesday this season because I definitely will not be paying their crazy, ridiculous prices. Okay, and I'm coming back to you because this is obviously a protest and I think I, I, I honour you with this one and I think it's very important as well. I feel the same as you. And the thing is, I'm not saying that I'm not weak, but the fact is that also, I mean, I'm saying to you is that if Brentford is 4-4-6 in the league and we play Sheffield Wednesday and it's £36, pounds, it'll be difficult for me to say, oh, no, I'm not going to pay that money, whereas you're saying, I don't care where we are in the league, you'll pay that. Is that correct? Don't be surprised if you see me in Sheffield when we play Sheffield Wednesday, but I will not be going in Hillsborough. And the Allies, and the Allies are the same one as well. So this is almost like a mini demonstration. This is like what we saw up in Sheffield last week outside the town hall with the old Corbynites. Like, I'm saying, this is a proper, proper demo. And maybe we need to make this bigger. Now, the question I'm going to say to you is that if you were given a free ticket for Sheffield Wednesday, would you pay? Would you go? Not if you were being made to pay £36. Pounds. No, 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 no. If, if, if you were given a free ticket. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I'd like to show solidarity. Um, and I think that you would, should refuse to pay £36. Pounds. I think you should refuse to pay £36 pounds to go and watch a championship football game. Okay. I, I love this question. This question is, is, is as lovable as do you boo your team? <laughs> and and it's, so, it's such a selfish question when I know that he's a liar and, and, and he will pay to go into that club. We're in the top of the league, he'll be there. I, 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 will, be, I will be delighted to go to Sheffield Field to go and stand outside the hills for a grab. No, 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 and drink, and drink, and drink the blue, and drink the blue, and drink the blueberry ale, and you know, it, it, it's probably better for my liver. All right, listen, if that, that you don't succeed on having the blueberry ale. Okay. However, yeah. for my prediction for the game is that uh, Sheffield Wednesday lost to Leeds last week. Yeah. If you lose to Leeds, you're on a bad run. I reckon we'll win one nil Saturday. Okay, listen, right. So we've got it there. We've, we've we've got a couple of things in there, and I had to I had to bring that in because I think it's very important because it's now down on well, the record. Could you enjoy bullying people? Not bullying. It's all I've just answered a question, isn't I? It's a question that was brought up last week and we just thought we'd put it on the record. Pope Sheffield Wednesday don't wear pink hair. That's right, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday are in pink and they charge £36, it's all over. But look, and, and, and for Sheffield Wednesday, you're absolutely wrong and what I'm going to do, I'm going to write a, Sheffield, a letter to Sheffield Wednesday, the chief executive of Sheffield Wednesday, to say that you're out of order. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very happy about what you're doing. But listen, you just wait. <laughs> anyway, coming back to it, myself, I think that the bees, mighty, mighty bees, 1-0 to the bees, we're going to come back, continue our run, we'll get back on there, the Rotherham thing was just a mere blip. But listen guys, it's been wonderful, we're in the pub, and we had a bit of a laugh, it's going to be hopefully warm at the weekend, like it was almost today, before it started the rain, the, the heavens came down. We've got a load of Wednesday coming down, all our mates are to the, the Wednesday week characters. I think um, I think Tango might be coming down the pub as well, as well, coming down the boozer as well with us. Like we hopefully we can get the blue grey down. But if we can't, it's not a problem. I want to say thanks very much to the boozer here, the blue boat in Hammersmith, down by the river. Lovely boozer, if you ever down there, just walk down there and you can have a look at the boats going by. Especially the boats going to Fulham to tell them that they're, they're going to beat them like the borough fans today. Like it's all good. But anyway. Coming to Brentford, we we um you can just check us on audio boom, uh, besotted and also 1992, besotted 1992 on, on YouTube and also uk. Check out the article. Also check the uh, information or the description, and we'll put the articles in there as well. But listen, we need to go. 
We need to get out of here because I've got, got some kids up at the back here and they're, they're not very happy with me because I've stayed a lot longer than I was meant to do. So it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day we've got Brentford and there's Wednesday coming down. They can come down as early as they want to but they've got about three points because as we say... The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.